welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Setzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we're talking with Carl Vaders. Carl's been in pastoral ministry for 40 years and is currently the teaching pastor of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Orange County. Carl's heart is to help pastors of small churches find the resources to lead well, and he produces resources to help small churches thrive at carlvaders.com. He's also the author of four books, including Small Church Essentials, Field-Tested Principles for Leading a Healthy Congregation of Under 250. But before we talk to Carl, we want to remind you that if you are enjoying our conversations, it would help us if you left us a review. Now let's go to Ed Stetzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Ed Stetzer, who's complained the last few episodes that people don't really leave, leave reviews. They should leave reviews. We know tens of that. We actually have counts, tens of thousands of people. This could be the episode that goes over 500,000 listeners, you know, just on one episode because Carl's that awesome. Well, you don't leave reviews, but I'm going to just trust you. I'm going to ask you one more time to leave a review. And the reason is it's not because I need the psychological validation, right? I have a healthy uh, self-ego. <laughs> it's because it helps other people find it as well. But anyway, another story for another day. Carl and I are... Daniel, you're you're actually in Chicago right now, where it's colder yeah. than a legalist heart. But we are <laughs> uh, we are in Southern California, where we are suffering for the Lord. And I went out bike riding last night. Anyway, you don't want to hear my my all my my fun stories. Um, all right, so there's lots to talk about with Carl, and Carl and I have uh, done different things together over the years, and I'm a fan of his work. And we're definitely in that small church space. But, but one of the things just worth remembering is that even the word small church means different things to different people. We're going to walk through that in just a bit as well. Um, but let's just start with talking about some of the uh, strengths and the weaknesses of larger churches and smaller churches. And if you wouldn't mind in the midst of that, Carl, explain what we mean by small. Because again, if the median church in the United States is in the 80s, um, you know, and, and I, I think it dropped into the 70s in the most recent uh, study. I think that was fact study, faith community today study. But, but you know, 70s, 80s, it's not over 100. That's normal. No. Anyway, tell us about some of the strengths and weaknesses of large and small and define some of the terms for us in the conversation. Yeah, the, the, the definition of small church is a moving target. Um, and it depends on what you're trying to measure. For those who are trying to measure percentage, then small is extremely small. Uh, but I like to measure it by um, factoring in what it takes to pastor a church because I'm speaking to pastors. And so I want to speak to that way. So my current definition, which changes on a regular basis, but here's where I'm landing today, is that there are two very distinct types of small churches. There's a church of 50, give or take 50. And there's a church of 150, give or take 50. And those are two very distinct types of small churches. Now, over 90% of the churches in the world then fall under small church, which is why some want to divide it further down, and I have no problem with that. But the reason I include both of them in small church is that while there are big differences between the church of 50, give or take, and the church of 150, give or take, they actually have far more in common in the way they're pastored than a church of 200, say, has with the church of 500. 
And it's because of one simple factor. God knows everything and can be everywhere. And we pastors are not God. We have limitations to how many people we can actually know and actually be there for hands-on. And that shifts big time at 200 more than anywhere else. So that's my working definition of swamp when we're talking about that. Okay. And unpack a little bit of the uh, pluses and minuses. And in the midst of that, you can tell me how you feel about the fact that I produce resources called Breaking the 200 Barrier, which literally, <laughs> I mean, that's so, so in your numbers, you yeah. said, if you said 150 plus or minus 50, it seems in a sense that maybe 200 is when we start passing the small church, which I, again, I'm very comfortable calling 200 to 400, the medium church, mm-hmm. and then 400 above is a large church. I mean, a large church of 400 is unusual, but okay. Yeah. So um, give us some of the strengths and weaknesses of large versus small. Yeah. And, and real quick, I think obviously you, you're on this as well, but there's no, we're using the word versus just simply as a, as, as a, you know, word tool, but there's no versus here. There's no big against small here whatsoever. Simply that they are, um, they are pastored in some very different ways and they each do have very distinct strengths and weaknesses. So the strengths of the big church typically are very visible and very obvious. You drive up to a mega church, you can see it from the freeway. Uh, by the time you hit the parking lot, there's signs, there's people waving you in. If you're too far from the main facility where you're parked, they'll send over a golf cart and bring you in. And they'll have, you know, a, a amazingly well done departments for all of your kids. And you know, all the, so it's really visible and really obvious the excellence of a big church. Sometimes small churches make the mistake of trying to compete with excellence in that category, and we never will be able to do that. But that's not where the small church strength is. The small church strength typically is in relationships. When you ask people who attend small churches why they attend small churches, the two key answers are this. Answer number one is, I go to a small church because the pastor knows my name. There are a lot of people out there who desire to and do best ministry and are discipled best when they actually have access to the pastor and the pastor has a relationship with them. And they're not wrong to want that. The second reason after the pastor knows my name is I can make a difference here. And you know the stats as well as I do. If you take a church of a thousand or you take 10 churches of a hundred people, 10 churches of a hundred people will have far more people involved in ministry and in leadership and in the functioning of the church than they will with uh, 1000 people in a single church. So getting involved, knowing each other well, being pastored by their pastor and feeling like they make a difference in the life of the church tend to be the strengths of the small church. Carl, I want to come back to something because I think you're saying there are different kinds of uh, pastors uh, and uh, you pastor a church of 200 differently than you would maybe a church of 2000. Um, Help the pastor who's trying to figure out like, what am I designed to pastor? Like, how do you know what kind of pastor you are uh, and what size of church that you should be pastoring? Because I think that's probably a struggle that many pastors have. Yeah, I the the uh, let's let's start with that with with Ed's question about the two hundred barrier and no I what the the the, the two hundred is a significant barrier that's why one fifty give or take fifty is the upper range of small church in my definition because at that point you really do have to change the way you pastor when you make that shift so when you make that when you make that shift you have to you, have, you just simply have to change so how do we know whether or not I'm meant to pastor a small church or a big church. Um, the easiest way I know to get to that for most pastors is this. I want you to think back to when you felt called to be a pastor. And I want you to imagine, I want you to remember what you imagined yourself doing as a pastor. When I ask these questions of pastors, 
the response I get is typically, I, I imagine myself you know, preaching on a Sunday, preparing to preach on a Sunday, visiting people in the hospital, and they'll go through a list of activities. And it's almost always small church pastor activities that they felt called to do. Very seldom do I talk to a pastor and ask them, what did you imagine yourself doing in ministry when you felt called to be a pastor? Very seldom do they answer, I imagined myself building a large staff, uh, overseeing a, a large building program, and the big church pastor skills. Now, there are those who did feel called to do that and who do it exceptionally well, and I'm grateful for them because we need large as well as small, but most pastors the thing that they are most fulfilled by in ministry tend to be small church specific activities. That is so good. And, and it really, it, I had a conversation about this coming home from church on uh, Wednesday night at the time that this is dropped, this episode's dropped. I'm, um, I'm teaching a Wednesday night series at Mariners, you know, where Mariners is Carl. Oh yeah. Um, and, 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 and I, I'm teaching kind of, I'm compressing my Oxford class and bringing it a lay level over um, six weeks of Mariners church services. And, um, and Carl, you've been in the building. So it's the, you know, the floor is full. So it's hundreds and hundreds of people. And, um, and I really loved it. I said to Donna, you know, I really loved it. And there's, um, you know, probably because of the church, their responsiveness, their receptiveness. Uh, it is easier, just so every pastor of 150 knows, it is easier to speak to a room of, um, let's just take a large church of 2,000 people because everybody gets your every every joke somebody gets and so there you hear laughter you hear assent uh, you you see people nod uh, and it actually it's contagious as well so it's actually easier yeah. i know people don't think that because they get nervous but for me it is hard to preach and one of the things i do is i, I tweet uh usually on a friday and say hey small church pastor under 100 I, I would love to come help you out this weekend come preach at your church it's harder for me to preach at that church than it is to preach at a larger church um and that's super fun but I love the function of community in a church of, you know, 125, 150 that, um, so I, I just spoke, you know, to all these people, but I'm, I'm, I don't, people don't know me at Mariners. They, that way they know me because I tell stories about me and, but that I don't know them. So we're not in community together. So I'm increasingly of the view, um, that, that, that too many pastor type trainer types see it as a, a bad thing to be gotten out of. Now, again, I, I'm not saying, I, I think ultimately you can care deeply about evangelism and call t- care too about telling people for Jesus and say, I'm going to be a pastor of a church 150 to 200 for my life. And, and I'm, and I'm going to walk in the joy of that. Matter of fact, that might be a greater joy in so many ways than what I, what I do as a motivational speaker who lives in a van down by the river. Um, and so, but, um, but people always ask the question, is that not a, a giving in to a small church mentality, is that not giving in to I don't care about reaching people because I care deeply about reaching people? And if you reach people, do small churches become big churches or is there something else that can or should happen? So so I, I, I packed a lot in that question because I'm processing yeah. this a little bit. Um, and, and in some ways, I'm missing being a local church pastor of a church of 200, but that's another story for another day. So, so talk to me about my thinking about why it's probably easier to communicate to a larger church, but you miss out on substantial things that you get in a smaller church. But a lot of people make the assumption, well, if you're going to reach people, you're going to automatically become a larger church. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the phrase, all healthy things grow. 
um, tormented me for a de- couple decades <laughs> because <laughs> and it was, uh, is, that, all, is that Carl George? I mean, I, I, I know that phrase, but yeah, I'm going to look, or maybe Rick yeah, Warren. I'm not sure who came up with it, but yeah. boy, everybody repeats everybody it, everybody was using it for a long time yeah. and, and still occasionally today I'll hear it. All healthy things grow. And if you reverse that principle, then that means then if it's not growing numerically, there must be something unhealthy about it there must be a problem somewhere. And so we're often looking for problems that may not exist simply because the numbers aren't there. And I think one of the first things that small church pastors have to do is have to realize you can pastor a small church well without settling for less. Pastoring a small church is not a penalty for doing something wrong. Hmm. We've got to get that into our heads. Pastoring a small church is not a penalty for doing something wrong. So what is it? It's a specialty and it's worth doing well. And there are a lot of big church pastors who very sincerely have told me, I could not pastor a church of your size. And they're, they're not That's being definitely. condescending to me. They're, not, they're nothing. They're, the, 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 the interactions of people and the kind of decision-making that's done there, uh, the, account, the, the personal accountability. I don't mean they're avoiding accountability. I mean, you know, sitting with people in the lobby and, and you know, week after week having to listen to the same no, conversation from the same person that. drives them out of their mind. See, and, but part, uh, of the, part of me wants that, but I get what you're saying. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, and there are aspects of that that you know are frustrating, just as there are aspects of that that are frustrating in a big church as well. Um, but there, there are advantages in that, and there are blessings in that. And I think, uh, I mean, the, the church is called to be in fellowship with one another. You know, there's a lot of big church teaching, and it's correct, that says it doesn't matter if the pastor knows you. It just matters that somebody in the church knows you. And that is absolutely true. Right now, the, the the line between big and small, somewhere around two to 250, half the people, half the Christians in the world go to churches smaller than two or 250, and half the Christians in the world go to churches larger than two or, or 250, which basically means half the Christians in the world are in a situation where the pastor knows their name, where they have a big impact on the church, where they where almost everybody knows almost everybody. That's about half the Christians in the world. The other half of the Christians in the world are in a church where Everybody doesn't know everybody, and where the pastor doesn't know everybody's name. And you know what? There's no reason to believe that either one of them is in a deficient situation. (laughs) There is value to both, and each one is going to bring benefit in different ways to different people. Okay, so, and I'm not sure the word to lead with. Is it some? Is it many? Is it most? But, but I do think that, I mean, again, I've written probably more books on church revitalization than than on church planning. I might be better known in church planning space. there, there. To me, I I begin with the assumption that some, many, most—I'm not sure the right word—small um, churches are often there because of some um, unhealthy patterns in the church or unhealthy situation in leadership. And I think we'd all agree that's some. It might be, we might agree that that's many. Maybe we'd say most. Um, so, so when I when I give when we give a blanket, we believe in small churches. Like we've done, you know, we were, I think you're part of the thing we did years ago at Lifeway, the small church seminar. We roundtable, we did this day long broadcast, all this sort of stuff. While we write on it, we're just literally like this podcast is part of Outreach Magazine, and we're planning our small church issue. And, and Carl, you're on the list. You're all, but you're always on. How is Carl not on the list when you talk about these? Things? We're going to invite people. Um, so, so, but but part of it, I I don't want to give. Not that anyone needs my permission for anything. I don't want to give assent to the idea that small, unengaged, not reaching people is good. So how do I, how do we thread the needle to say, and if your church is small and not engaging its community, 
which is a lot of that. There's a lot of that. We all know that to be true. You, you those of you listening online, you can't see all of the heads nodding right now. Um, so, but so then, so then, with that being said, how do we how do we then point people to what a healthy small church looks like that has to include an aspect of evangelism and reaching new people, yep. while not discounting uh, the small church in general? You know, we don't want to discount small church in general, nor do we want to discount what could be some, many, or most. And again, I don't know which of those words is right. Maybe you can tell us even yeah. that. Well, when you take a look at where Christians are actually growing as a percentage of the population, so if we want to talk about church growth, to me, the only legitimate church growth is our Christians increasing as a percentage of the general population. Often what we talk about in America as church growth is simply consolidation. We're gathering into larger groups. That's not church growth. That's consolidation. Okay. There's nothing wrong with being larger groups, but let's not call it something that it's not. When Christians are growing as a percentage of the population, uh, massive revival areas in Central and South America, in Asia and Africa, for instance, in those areas, there are a handful of churches that are, we're going to have to come up with a new word bigger than mega in, in some of them. There are a handful of them. But in general, the church is growing as a percentage of the population where small churches are multiplying rather than where larger churches are coming in. That happens as well. I'm not discounting that there are larger churches there, but that's not where the multiplication comes from. It typically comes from rabbits reproducing themselves rather than elephants. Elephants don't produce reproduce themselves as quickly. Rabbits do. Small churches tend to reproduce themselves way more quickly than big churches do. And that's where we tend to see the growth of the church around the world as a percentage of the population. So it's not settling for less to pastor a small church although there are a lot of small churches that are settling for less and are impacting their community. And there are some big churches that have sealed themselves off from the community and have become a community unto themselves and aren't reaching the community as well. So small or big has nothing to do with outreach into the community and connection with the people around them. It has to do with the missionality of it. <clears throat> and there are a lot of small churches that are very missional, but simply aren't growing numerically. Mm. I, I, I think what, what I hear you saying is the scorecard, uh, should change it can change and rather than just talking about the size of churches but uh how well are we effectively reaching a city or a region i think that's really helpful i'm, I'm going to follow that trail and we can come back to uh you know effectively pastoring uh, local churches but from that from that uh idea you know our scorecard being maybe our city or our region how, how would you suggest caro uh pastors of small churches and pastors of large churches working better together towards a common scorecard without neglecting, obviously, um, the growth dynamics of their own individual churches. Uh, two things on that. One, I'm going to, I'm going to put all the burden on the big church on this one. Because uh, it's really hard for us as small churches to reach out to the big church pastor. There's too many layers to get through. And justifiably so, if you're pastoring 2,000 people, you've got to have a way of vetting who you're going to be talking to. Uh, so the big church pastor needs to, 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 to reach out, needs to reach out to small churches. And here's something that I want to put out to folks really in, in situations like you, directly to, you know, to, to church, leader, church leaders and to magazines, to curriculum creators and book writers and so on. Um, there's a thing now that's when, when you're building a website, there's a way that you build it and they call it responsive design. 
Uh, Hertz Car Company actually, I think, still has an active lawsuit against a web designer because years ago they created a website for them. And we're only talking five or six years ago in which uh, when you went on your laptop, you had a particular experience. And we've all done this, right? And then you go onto a device and it's a slightly different experience. Then you go onto a phone and it's a different experience. And we've all had the experience where we go to a cheap website and it's on our phone and it's exactly the same layout as on the laptop. And it is you can't use it. It's ridiculous. It's, it, so responsive design shrinks it and changes it so that it's usable on a small phone in a different way than it is on a big laptop. Here's my challenge to people who create resources for churches. You need to build responsive design into your product, into the way you do it. It's It should not be the responsibility of the small church pastor to adapt something that was created in a large church environment and have to adapt it down to our screen size. Responsive design, I think, has to be a default in what we create for church leaders in general. We need to ask ourselves, and the only way to produce it is we've got to have small church people along every step of the way, from the, the creation of the idea to the implementation and sending it out. How will this work in a small church desire uh, environment? Does it have responsive design? That is one of the biggest ways that we can help small churches today. Fascinating. Okay, the, the book just uh, that we want to encourage you to pick up to is called Small Church Essentials, Field Tested Principles for Leading a Healthy Congregation Under 250. And again, I do want to point out that under 250 is the phrase we use small. And again, it's it's weird because it's it's you know it means it's different things, particularly when the median church in the US is under a hundred, but there are dynamics and there are those dynamics do begin to shift. I, I find T. Keller on church size dynamics to be helpful with this, Tim Keller, uh, Carl George, actually some little older stuff uh, as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, when we, when we think then about small churches, I, I wonder what your experience has been because we're, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, midsize or larger churches or mega churches, and they're just really having a hard time over the division in the culture. And, um, you know, there's kind of a, you know, group of people, if you, if you speak up on, you know, uh, you know, issues of systemic racism, that that's real and, and discernible in different parts and sectors of society, that's a whole lot of people like, well, you know, okay, now you're, you're woke or whatever else it may be. Um, if you talk about refugees or immigrants, you know, you know, then you're, 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 you're going to be cab uh, labeled in a different way. Uh, Daniel Yang's new book uh, speaks about some of these things about marginalized peoples helping the evangelical church. And so, um, and yet if you speak up about issues of life, um, like I do often and vocally um, about pro-life issues and the unborn, or for that, or for that matter, you know, teach or speak on issues of uh, sexual ethics, a whole lot of other people, you know, so, so there's like this, and you have a large constituency, you bring in the large cultural conflict in. I, I do wonder what's that like in a smaller church level, because I'm mm -hmm. sure there's a closer relationship that's there. How have you seen pastors and church leaders walking through that in the last several years? Yeah, it's a fascinating dynamic. In the big church, when you make a statement on that, you're going to get a lot of blowback simply because of the size of the platform. And so you're going to get a lot more Twitter responses. You're going to get, you know, uh, you know, uh, op-ed pieces written about it and so on. Um, in, in a small church, when you do it, one of the advantage is that the only people that know about it most of the time are the 50 people who were sitting in the room. And so you're not going to have op-ed pieces, but you will get an email or two and you will have an awkward con confrontation in the church lobby. So while you don't, you won't have the big multimedia blowback and you don't have to deal with that, the blowback you do get is far more personal. 
So in a big church, the advantage is you can look at it and you go, well, we lost a X percentage of people over that. And we got this op-ed piece written about us, but it's typically not with somebody you have a very close relationship who is really, you know, kind of breaking your heart because this is someone I thought I could rely on most of the time, hopefully anyway, your friends rally around you and you've got the, a, a, a certain segment of the crowd that's mad at you. But in a small church, when somebody comes to you in the lobby and is upset at you, it's someone, you know, it's someone you baptized. It's someone whose spouse you might've buried and for them to come back and not just simply disagree with you on the issue, but to think badly of your motives because mm -hmm. of that is really, really, really difficult. So that's the challenge the small church pastor is facing. They're not getting the big multimedia blowback, but they are negotiating broken relationships on some really deep levels right now. Hmm. Carl, let me give you a, a scenario. Um, and part of this is because we're, we're, we're coming out of the pandemic. But if, if I were a pastor that were pastoring, let's say a church that was five, 600, maybe even a thousand, and I now find my church shrinking closer to that 200 mark for whatever reason. Um, and how would you advise that pastor? Because I think the desire is to, I, I'd like that church to grow again and become a church of five or 600 again. But their reality is that actually we're currently now a church of 200 and, and maybe we'll be here for a little bit. How do you one, help that pastor deal with expectations? And two, how do you re-envision their future moving forward potentially as a, a smaller church. Yeah. Th this is one of the really strange and fascinating things about what we've been through in the last three or four years. Is this is the first time in my memory, and I'm not just 40 years in ministry, but I'm a third generation preacher's kid. So this is baked into me. I've, I've, I've got a lot of you know personal history in this. This is the first time that I've seen a crisis hit the church that um, hit bigger churches harder than smaller churches. That's, that's a real new phenomenon. Usually the big church weathers the difficulty well and the small churches are falling by the wayside. And we, and we do think that. I mean, that's been my impression as well. So just from your special yeah. impression working with smaller churches, it's hitting the bigger churches harder. Yeah, yeah. Bigger churches are having a smaller percentage of people coming back. Uh, smaller churches, to a large degree, are right. kind of surprised that, boy, pretty much everybody's back and our offerings never went down. That's what I'm hearing in a lot of places. It's really unusual. Um, so, so, so there's that challenge. How do we reconfigure that from a larger church standpoint? Um, I had a conversation with a pastor uh, recently, and he's in that situation. And I'm going to I'm going to make up numbers because I don't remember his exact numbers, but the percentages are pretty close. He said, "I think we were." He said, "We are we were uh, a church of 140." And um, again, it may be 1400. I really can't remember the number. Uh, that's why I'm a small church guy, because numbers just don't stick in my head. Uh, <laughs> so we were a church of 140. We're now a church of 90. And he said, I recently had to go to my staff and tell them we have to stop operating like a church of 140. We have to start operating like a church of 90, because if we operate like a church of 140, we can grow by 50% this year, get to 135 and still consider ourselves five people down. But if we consider ourselves which what we accurately are, which is a church of 90, and we happen to grow by 50% this next year, we've grown by 50% next year. Plus, you you there are functional ways that you operate differently in a church of 140 compared to 90, or if you're talking larger churches, 1,500, and now you're a church of 900. You there, there are functional differences that you do. So it's better to look around and go, okay, at this moment, we are a church of this size. We are not a church of our previous size anymore and make whatever adjustments you need to make to function as a church at your current size 
and say, how does that change? How is that going to function, change the way we minister, the, the way we pastor, the kind of goals we have, uh, the kind of missions that, mission that we pursue? And you've got to start with where you are now. What's what's the old saying? The, the first goal of leadership is to, the, the, first, um, the first principle of leadership is to define reality. Mm-hmm. So pastors, we need to define our current reality and it can't be based on three years ago. It has to be based on where we are today. Define your current reality and move from there. Yeah, we did an article for a uh, for one of my columns at Outreach Magazine, one of the editor's columns, and I talked about, you know, they're not coming back. I mean, that's part of facing some of that yep. reality is that just a lot of them are not coming back. And I think we've seen that, you know, in the last, it's, the trickle back has slowed for sure. Will there be some still? I hope so. Um, but we're starting in a different place and acknowledging that's really, really key. Okay, so... Um, I think most of our, you know, you, you did say that half of people attend a church 250 or larger, half attend 250 or, or smaller. However, I think that there's far more churches of 250 or smaller numerically and yeah. solo staff churches, and they're gonna, that means you're going to end up with more pastors over there. So my guess is uh, more of our listeners are on that side of the equation than on the yeah. other side. So this is really like for them. So what, um, what keeps small churches from thriving? We, 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 we don't. We don't believe that small means you're not thriving, but there are a whole, right. small, whole lot of small churches that are not thriving. And what are some signs that a church is stuck and can move forward into a better place of thriving? In my experience, the first reason when a small church is not thriving, the first reason they're not thriving is because they don't know they can thrive at the size they are now. They think they have to get bigger before they can do certain things. And so, you know, read through the New Testament. I dare you to find a command to the church in the New Testament that requires you to have more people in the room before you can do it. (laughs) There's not a single command from Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the early church fathers even, that you look at and go, oh, we can't do that until we have more people. So you can do the mission right now that Jesus is calling you to do right now with the people you have right now. So that's the first hindrance is if we don't think we can, then we're right. Uh, but if we believe that a small church can be healthy, then we will. And so we got, we got to move forward with that. Secondly, we need to have conversations with other small church pastors because the thing we think might be unique to our church might in fact be a thing that's common in all small churches. And we can start sharing that with each other. Big church pastors do this way better than small church pastors do it. When a big church figures something out, they share it with everybody. They put it in a book, they put it on a podcast, they share it at a conference, uh, they share it with everybody. As small church pastors, we come up with something and we don't even think to share it with others, or maybe we don't think anybody else cares. So talk to us, I, email me, I'll write about it, I'll have you on the podcast, we'll get that information out there. That's part of the reason the ministry that I do to small churches has just simply grown so fast over the last 10 years that I've been doing it is because... Uh, I'm doing something that every small church pastor should be doing and very few of us do, which is every time we have a success, every time we figure something out, share it with others because a whole lot we have in common. So those are two key things. If you know that you can be healthy and missional while being small, then you remove that stigma and then start finding what it means to be a, a small church and what are the leadership traits that are unique in a small church environment that are probably different than what you are taught in the typical conference podcast or book, because most of those, most of the popular ones are written by big church pastors because they're the ones we know. But there's some really good resources out there. And I'm in the you know, obsessive uh, place of trying to create or, uh, or or distribute, find and distribute as many of those resources as I can. Hmm. 
This has been a rich conversation. Um, and as we get ready to wrap up here, Carl, I, I guess I want to ask you a little bit about the future. Um, so much of the conversation around small church is a thing because of the growth of uh, mega churches over the last 30 years. Um, so it may have been if you wrote this book 40 years ago, it would have just been church essentials and not small church essentials. So, yeah. um, but, you know, there is maybe potentially a, um, an uneasiness with large churches um, based on some of the things that Ed was sharing earlier about just how uh, large churches have struggled in headlines and those kinds of things. What do you think moving forward? Do you think Americans in particular will continue to be comfortable going to churches of all sizes? Do you think that smaller churches will become much more in demand? Like, what are your thoughts on the role of the small church in the future? Yeah, I don't think big churches are going anywhere. I, I hope they don't. I hope they stick around. I hope they continue to thrive and do well. We need churches of all sizes. I, 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 I believe, I hope and I believe that we are moving from a one-size-fits-all era or a, a one-principle-fits-all era, which I think for, the, for about 40 years, certainly from about 19, mid-1970s, maybe 80s, for about 30 years or so, the idea that your church is going to get bigger, we're going to get bigger, Gr church growth means numerical increase, was uh, the, the, the constant drumbeat that I heard. We are now in an era where I believe there are going to be some who do that and who see the value of that and that there is value in that, but there are also going to be far more people, especially in this newer generation, who are going to be open to putting more tools in the toolbox than simply get your church bigger. There's going to be bistro churches and home churches, and they're going to be co-vocational in addition to bivocational pastors. And for those who aren't aware of the difference, co-vo means basically means I'm choosing this as part of the way I do ministry to uh, earn earn my money outside the church and pastor the church. Bivo means I'm going to do this outside the church job until the church pays me enough. Is typically the way I understand the difference there. And there, so there's a, a greater variety of types and sizes of churches that more people are going to be open to, and I think that is a real positive trend right now, that it doesn't have to just simply be get bigger or you must be failing. And anytime I, we can put more tools and more ideas in more pastors' uh, tool belts, the better. You've been listening to Carl Vaders. We've uh, mentioned his book, Char uh, Small Church Essentials, Field-Tested Principles for Leading a Healthy Congregation of Under 250. You can also learn more about him at carlvaders.com. Thanks again for listening to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast. You can find out more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review. That'll make Ed happy and help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.